According to Mike and Tony is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, this is Dave Freshman, and you're listening to According to Mike and Tony. Episode uh, 63, just cruising along, buddy. Yes, sir. Uh, you had a bit of a rough week, huh? yeah. to say the least. <laughs> you can't tell anybody that's listening. I went under the weather. Yeah. So. Well, I knew that you weren't feeling good when uh, you said that you didn't make it to the gym. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> oh, it's not good. But you made the podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, Every I work, week. I work here, so I can't yeah. really miss it. That's right. You work for the podcast, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> How yeah. you been? How you been? Otherwise, you've been pulling through. You got a yeah, I got a fucking uh, busted blood vessel in my eye too. Well, I told you. My mess, man. When you bench press diesel trucks, <laughs> <laughs> you might blow a pop of vessel in your eye. Chicken. Yeah, I see the eye didn't jump out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a familiar voice. What's up, Mo Dog? In the house again. Howdy, folks. First time in the new house, right? In the right, the, the room cat studios. Yeah, you know, soundproof. Nice giant ladder over here for. No apparent reason. Yeah. We're not rigging it's lights. It's the stairway today, to heaven. It's the stairway to heaven. That's what it actually looks like. <laughs> that was, I'd, be, I'd be grossly disappointed if that's what the actual stairway to heaven looked like. Like from the song. <laughs> Got to live up to Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Maybe there's overhead mics at the end. In <laughs> <laughs> that voice right there, you guys, that's our guest for the evening. Um, I've known him for a little bit uh, through work. Um, through some associations that I've been a part of, but um, also through some of the stuff that I've known he's been a part of. Been trying to get him on for a while, uh, but we finally have him on the podcast. We have, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Dean Wilson tonight. Welcome, right Dean. Right on. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> Thanks for being here, buddy. Sure. I'm, I'm super excited about this one because you are a fellow audio head uh, and much more trained than myself. You got yeah. degrees and all that good legitimate stuff. Yeah. So, so where, where's your degree? Total at? nerd. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I cheated. Um, having some background in financial aid, I studied classical music composition at Metro State for five years. Beautiful. And then uh, right as I was about to graduate, I transferred schools without declaring my degree so that I could keep that Pell Grant going. Oh. Once, <laughs> once, once you graduate, you can't keep that thing in line. Correct. Um, I've got my... Bachelor's of Science in Audio Engineering um, from University of Colorado, Denver. That's not really what they call it. It's some See other you. crazy name. Well, no, I think it's like a Master of Science in Recording and oh. or in Music or Entertainment and Industry Studies. And then there's like a Technology Emphasis. You know, it's a college thing. So there's a lot of <laughs> words at the end that, <laughs> that mean not a lot of anything to anyone who isn't really an academic. <laughs> That's very cool, though, man. I actually looked into their program. Uh, it's very cool. I think we talked about it on the podcast one time. I think the dudes from the Fray were the in that program. program. Uh, I think they dropped out, though, when they started getting some momentum with the group and stuff. Well, once you've obtained the knowledge you need, it's free, you're free to move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a voluntary program. Yeah, well, you went the whole way, though, man, and got the, got the full-on degree. What was that like? What were some of the, the cool things about actually studying all that stuff? I've always felt like that would be super beneficial. You know, kind of the best thing about that in general is the 
caliber of instructors are kind of world class there. Right. I uh, had a lot of great experience working with engineers and people who have been in the industry for a long time and gave me a lot of great knowledge, things that I never had thought about on my own. Um, working with other students was fantastic too, you know, kind of, uh, just building your own social network, uh, a real one, not a, not a, not a Twitter <laughs> feed or something. Yeah, like real people you can call to be like, man, my shit's fucked up. How do I fix this? Right, right, not, right. not happy birthday. Happy birthday, Dean. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it could be anything, but not that really. Um, that was great. Uh, got a lot of good opportunities out of it. Um, I recently worked on a short film that kind of came out of that. So that Time to Kill is that the that Time to Kill, yeah. yeah. Um, that kind of came just from my connections at the school. Beautiful. Um, and worked on that, and it's great. It's a fantastic short film. It's won a few awards. Yeah, uh, I saw that. I was checking that. Where can I watch it? I was trying to figure out where I can actually see it at. You know, it used to be up and streaming. Uh, uh, it was on Vimeo for a while. Gotcha. Um, and I found a YouTube link I was going to send you guys, but then the, I checked uh, YouTube. I could. I was trying to track it. Down. Oh, it's it's Damn. in there. Um, but the uh, the <laughs> lead is. actor who actually wrote the script also um, had posted a comment on the thing like, "Hey, we'd appreciate it if you took this down." Um, they're kind of like in some licensing rights with some television and stuff like that. So they've kind of pulled it from streaming right now. But if you've got the internet and you're willing, I'm sure that it's available for public. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I, I didn't put enough time. Nowadays, 2016, you just put enough time, you'll find it for sure. Yeah. Um, now, so what all did you do for that? Did you, because I know you studied composition and everything. Did you do the scoring for that? No, actually, like I had nothing to do with anything musical in that. Did you do the audio? Yeah. Um, I worked with uh, a professor who I'd done a couple things with, um, uh, David Bondalevich. He's a fantastic guy, uh, incredibly smart dude. Um, he's been president of the... Well, something that I can't remember right now. Something cool and important. <laughs> well, yeah, he's like uh, really into the Hollywood scene and into, I think it was past president of, I don't know, something that they call sound in Hollywood. I, what the, the names of that, I don't know. Um, but he's great. And it's fun because his name is David Bondalevich. So DB... His initials, actually, you know, decibels. Um, so, like, it's funny because well, the of first course time I went, I was thinking douchebag. I was like, oh no, was he? <laughs> no, no, no. He's actually he's a fucking really great guy. Um, but when I went to D uh, to IMDb and like looked at his filmography and all of the stuff that he's worked on, I was like, well, I see why they call this IMDb because like those are his initials. And I was like, yeah, dude, I get it. You've got like like 400 films on here and like things that i Damn. watched as a kid you know i was like wait you did all of the sound on like sonic the hedgehog cartoons oh my god you oh, have no whoa. idea how many wow. right i mean he's done a lot of great stuff um and he was my instructor in post-production so in sound for film um so in this project i pretty much did all of the background sounds so like, huh. you know, it's like showing the the room and like I had to put in all of the things like there's an aquarium in the back. So I had to right, like right. record an aquarium motor and put that in there and like cars passing in the distance outside of the room and like all of that kind of stuff. And it changes when there's a scene cut, you know. Mm -hmm. So you have to have kind of like eight running tracks of background noise at any time. That's kind of industry standard for a film. Okay. So like all of the stuff, like if we were in this room right now, we'd hear like fluorescent light hum. We'd yep. hear like... 
you know, shit that doesn't exist. Like when you touched your phone, it'd make a beeping sound, you know, things like that. Um, uh, compressors, this guy's definitely an audio guy. He traffic can... outside. Well, yeah. Yeah, you could you could tell for sure. When Travis Lufer, he's a, a filmmaker, he was on here and we talked about that. Because I'm sort of, I mean, I'm not new to, I've been recording music on since using a Tascam 4 track when I was when I was 18 years old or something. <laughs> on tape. So yeah, so I've been doing it a long time, but I've really jumped full force into it career-wise and everything now. And, and uh, I've talked about it on the podcast, I'm scoring a film right now. It's the first time I've kind of gotten into that whole area. Oh, good and, job, dude. Yeah, it's super fun, but it's kind of cool hearing this side of it, like the editing, because we're not there yet. I'm doing my work with the music and stuff, but I'm listening to really rough audio cuts at this point. Sure. Um, but yeah, th- that's interesting because you, you do a lot of that uh, as far as like... Uh, yeah, like I layered all the background sound um, in it. That was kind of my main part. And then when we went into the studio, David, myself, and a fellow student, Danny Maurer, who has won some awards for being a, a film student. Um, those awards, again, I suck at knowing the things, the names. <laughs> um, but we went in and did like all of the Foley recordings. So we brought in a whole bunch of stuff and like made all the sounds yeah, that the dude, guy makes in the room. that's so neat. That was super fun. So like when you when you hear the guy sit in his chair and like move around and you hear the leather squeak, that's like my leather jacket that we're like turning. Yeah, the was it Travis? We were talking about this about no, like, at uh, Matt Weitzel. He also right. went to the same uh, school. Remember? Wow, and sure. And sure. he uh, he did the same thing. He made some like he he took one of his projects for school. He was saying that he did the same thing. He had a movie, so he did Ninja Turtles, the fight scene with uh, Raphael and yeah. um, uh, Casey Jones. Mm-hmm. And he they relayed all the audio over that, the voices, the sounds, the bushes, and all that stuff. And he was yeah. describing that to us kind of like the same thing. They brought in stuff. And yeah, that's that, like yeah. some stuff that we did too. I think my film project like that was actually a scene from... Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, that's a, that would so be like, a good and, one. And we, and we chose that because we were like, I want to make some UFO sounds. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I, like some things that were like interesting. Yeah. Um, we did one that was uh, a, a student shot film that was like kind of cool. It was like about a, a pair of old ladies who were twins and they knew a set of twins who lived next door to them. And the old ladies decided one day it'd be fun to trick the twins into saying that we're you in the future, and one of you killed the other one because of that. So, like it was, it was super fun. It, it was, it was a great film. Um, but I had to do a lot of dialogue editing on that one. Like, fun fact: if you're like doing a movie sound for like nine year olds, man, like nine year olds like lisp and like slur their words and like kind of screw everything up. Mm. So, like my main job on that project was just like going into strips of dialogue and cutting out the right syllables and consonant and plosive sounds for words uh-huh. and building what these people were supposed to say. <laughs> you know, so if they say like, oh, there's the window, you know, I have to make it sound like there is the window. So you have to like go in and find these like small parts oh, that's of sound. that's hilarious, man. You know what? And I really cut them up and like make them sound real. Oh, Not wow. to bust him out because he's one of our, my favorite guests that we ever had, but uh, his drop, I had to do a lot of that where I went in and he'd done several takes and I just blended them all together and made one super sweet take. <laughs> uh, Lacey McDonald. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily yeah. he did like 20 takes, but it was the same thing. There was different, each something wrong with each part. So I just chopped up the words and, and Yeah, the you've got to chop the, up the words and like kind of we used pro tools for that stuff so you like zoom into the molecular level of the yeah, audio totally, <laughs> totally, like, totally. you cut it at the exact point where it crosses you know where the from, consonant from, sound yeah. starts or whatever well, and, like, and like you know when the you can't cut the 
the waveform when it's like in a peak or a valley, you have to cut it like at zero, you know? So like getting in there and like being really precise about that, which was cool because having the classical music foundation kind of Mm -hmm. helped all of that along learning classical music and studying with the orchestra and stuff for so many years kind of gives you a better understanding of like dynamics and how things are going to sound for sure. But all of the speech training I did and stuff for singing, like learning about consonants and plosives and fricative sounds and like the um, the diphthongs and how the human speaks and where those vowel sounds and like what makes speech intelligible really helped to do I'm the sure. dialogue editing. I imagine so, dude. And most people hate that shit because it's super <laughs> tedious and it takes a long time. But, but like, It's like a fucking treasure hunt. No, I love that. You <laughs> yeah. know, I mean... My family, my friends, they call me OC Dean to make fun of me. Well, like, oh, Dean. I'm like, yeah. I, I'm yeah. starting to wonder if the OCD thing's an audio guy thing. Maybe that's i I'm kind of the same way, man. Well, you know, I think it just kind of lends itself to whatever it is you're going to pursue. If you're yeah, gonna get, that's probably true. <laughs> if you're going to get super into it, like, I mean, I'm not OCD football guy, but if you want to talk about music, <laughs> yeah. we can do that all day long. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, because Dollar does the same thing. He'll sit there, he's like, man, I'm really sorry about that buzzing. That sound you can is like I'm like uh I, I didn't hear no buzzing dude. He's like you don't hear that? I can hear that right now. I'm like no nah, man. Yeah, that Travis Lufer, the the film guy was in here and he was talking about his audio guys and how they get ticked and he was talking about getting room sound and all that kind of stuff and I was sure. I was just nerding out like crazy over here. <laughs> yeah, I love that stuff. I can I can ramble on about those things for days. Yeah, so I found could... the time to kill by the way. Oh, did you? Yeah, you got to rent it or buy it though. Sure. Okay. $1 to rent it for, what, a week? And you know, it's... To buy it, it's $3. I think it's 10 minutes long. Yeah. And I loved working on it. You know, like, as an audio person, when you're not... When you're working on someone else's project and you're not making your own craft, like, it either is really awesome or it really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and that film was so great to work on because it's well-acted, it's well-scripted, it's funny. We got to do so some important. fun things with the sound. Um, and then it won a lot of great awards, so that's kind of fun. It landed, it got me an IMDb page, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. all right. <laughs> that's hilarious. Very cool, man. And you do a lot of things. Uh, I wanted to get, eventually, I kind of want to get into Tomer Sound Solutions and that sure. kind of whole, that whole thing. But first, maybe talk a little bit about uh, what it was like you know, studying composition and, and right. Cause I'm a songwriter myself, a singer songwriter. Yeah. And, and now I'm getting into the film scoring. So that's a whole nother world. And it took me a long time to break that habit of the song, you know, the verse and chorus. And, you know, I'd be writing something and all of a sudden I'm writing loops and sections and putting them together and going, wait a minute. No, I need to be following the screen. You know, what's going on on the screen. I love that. Cause I learned the kind of the opposite way. <laughs> um, I was in a, like kind of a an avant-garde punk rock band it was art rock if you will um <laughs> say no it was, more. yeah it was it was <laughs> well looking back on it it was mostly embarrassing um <laughs> but uh we had it we had a great time and we put out a record and we toured and then we decided that we would um we would go to school and like learn to be actual musicians because we were kind of like at our capacity for writing songs. We were writing like cheesy punk rock songs a little bit. I mean, we had like some metal in there and some jazz and like odd time signatures and we changed stuff a lot. It was oh, a, you're a heads above everybody right. else in that genre for sure. No, it was it was a juxtaposition of mostly mediocrely played crap cuz that's what I'm good at. Yeah. Um but we went to school for com- composition and all four of us went to the same school and we studied together. 
and we weren't like doing the band thing so much anymore, but it was fantastic to still like be with the musicians I was used to working with and be right. like, be like, dude, okay, you're good at hearing like, we you know, things you, you can you know each other's strengths and whatnot. Exactly. And that was helpful. Um, but the, the composition process, it's archaic. Um, you know, I mean, the kind of what you learn in music composition school is like how Bach did everything. You know, and like what came before him and what came after. But I for see. For, yeah. for most part, like you're like, what did Bach do? What would Mozart have done? Who knows? Because that guy was just a genius on his own. Um, but it kind of solidified my understanding of chord structures and how music compositions work. Mm-hmm. But more than anything, it like gave me a good sense of dynamic form. You learn all of the regular, weird, dumb stuff, you know, like, oh, this is a sonata form and it works like this. Yeah, that stuff everybody but, but, knows. But what you really <laughs> learn that's like the best is how, like, which instrument should be playing which part. Right. What are they going to be best See. at? What's going to make them shine? How are you going to get the most out of what you're trying to do? And a lot of it kind of comes down to what I've kind of pieced together later after audio engineering stuff is a lot of it is like kind of ingrained in us through culture you know like like if you want to make if you want to make a guy feel sad that bambi's mom got killed like you play violins you would love because that's like what you've heard the whole time yeah well (laughs) right 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 there's that exactly there was like in the western western uh movies and stuff like that there's like a real sound to that but um there's a real cool video i'll send you a link to i think you'd probably get a real kick out of it like i did i think it had like two thousand plays or something there's not a lot of people that would nerd out like we both probably would uh but it's cool it's carter burwell he's a a pretty well-known composer he's done a ton of films and then the Cohen brothers, who are two filmmakers. Uh, I know the Coens. Yeah, it's the it's three of them, and then it adds an element of humor because Alec Baldwin is the guy interviewing them, and so he's always a little off the wall. Kind of, it makes it enjoyable too. But but they get su- they super nerd out, and that's one thing they're talking about is sort of different sounds. They, in fact, that on the panel they also had a psychologist. He was like a neuropsychologist, and he was studying the effects. Like he's pretty much an expert. Not an ex- he said it's a really developing field, but he's right in there on on the cutting edge of sounds and movies and film and what it actually does. To people's brains like they they you know put all this stuff all over people's heads and they can tell what part of the brains are being activated and you know what sort of things are happening with them so it's a real trip it's a whole deep world that scientifically starting to open up now but I, i'll send you the link because i think i think you would really get a kick out of it but they were talking about how the westerns it just became this sound of like you know the you know the timpanies and the and, and sure you know the brass and just those crazy horses flying through the desert and stuff yeah. you know yeah well and then that that's gone back in history i mean like the the trombone was the death and hell instrument for a very long time. Um, and you don't think about that now when you hear a trombone. I mean, at least when I hear a trombone, I'm like, oh, a ska band. But in a historical context, there was a while when that was the death and hell instrument. If you were, yeah. you know, when the Valkyries came up from the pits of hell in an opera, you had maybe the trombones would play the... Um, the motive, like that's that's mm-hmm. a thing that's really important to composition for film or for theater or something is the develop of the light motive, mm. uh, which is like an individual sound, you know, or like a melody that's accompanying a certain character or a certain mood, because it kind of gives a cohesive feel. You know, every 
every time you see Jason Voorhees mm. in the forest, you hear, right. You know, that, 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 that's a motive for that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that, then that's kind of even outside of classical music. We've been working on that on my recent record, kind of putting those things in because not doing classical music and doing regular songwriting, it, makes it easy to choose you're like well we've already said that this is how this goes yeah right, <laughs> right. Cause, and cause it just can... becomes a song format the a b a you know? a b a bridge <laughs> yeah right. a prime b prime good yeah 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 he just described 90 percent of my songs mike just, <laughs> just nailed it um man that's super cool it's funny you say the thing about the trombone because um the film i'm doing is sort of like a thriller it's sort of got some deep dramatic elements in it as well um which is cool but um i spent a lot of time with uh bernard herman and some of his oh, old stuff and boy he used the hell out of a trombone i'll tell you what i never had a trombone give me chills like you do when you're watching a, a movie that's been scored by bernard herman <laughs> uh if you have not listened to the twilight zone songs that were done by bernard herman yeah no i have actually oh dude that uh two disc anthology of like the best twilight zone stuff done by him connected conducted by joel mcneely i think okay um yeah man some of my favorite twilight zone episodes have that those thematic scores and i love that and i'm like oh i get all excited like yeah yeah like ah (laughs) no man i totally relate it's interesting and i like that you were talking about the voicings and stuff too because that's something that's new to me i've always been a guitar player man so it's always been guitar and i'm usually working with somebody else in bass i play a couple different instruments but it's that basic rock format and now doing film scoring i've like got this palette of all these colors and just going oh my god you know clarinets and all this stuff and it's so easy to sketch stuff up and like we were talking about logic pro or pro tools and all these things that it's so different back in the day they literally be sitting there while they're you know scoring the film with an orchestra yeah that too but they've got the or- they've got it written out and then they sit there and they've got this giant screen playing the film and they play it a couple times and keep trying to time it just right it's just so bizarre because now you think of what's at the fingertips of all of us audio guys that are just nerding out and got a few bucks and if you don't have uh like an orchestration guide totally get one of those there's there's one that's sweet it's called like the pocket guide to orchestration or something mm. it's small and tiny um but like in my own studio i see all the time because i get a whirlwind of crap mostly crap um, <laughs> uh, oh i lost the signal there oh. oh maybe it's just me i can't hear oh. um yeah it was that thing it's um, Mo. Main thing about um, orchestration that's important is I hear a lot of people who do uh, guitar players write for violin. And when the guitar player writes for violin, they write chords, guitar yeah. chords. Yep, yep. And just the way the violin strings are shaped, mm-hmm. you can't bow a chord. No. It's impossible. So, like, the guide to orchestration kind of shows you, like, what the range of notes you can use gotcha. for an instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, how an instrument functions, because that's, like, a thing we had to study a lot. Um, that was kind of one of the big things for me is going through all of the fundamental classes for each instrument. We had to learn how to play every instrument in the Western orchestra. Not well, 
Which just is just basics. enough to play like a shitty C major scale. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you learn how it works and why it works that way, and like what its limitations are and what its strengths Dude, are. Dude, and you're, it's so important. And and see, that sounds like something I would love to check out because I've sort of learned that by trial and error, where I do something with the violins because I play piano and stuff too, so I write a few sure. different ways. But then I listen to it and I can just hear it. I'm like, that doesn't sound like something I've ever heard a violin do. It just doesn't seem right. Or the particular like the triads, you know, the that we use right. in in on guitar so frequently and all yeah because it's it's nearly impossible to bow across three strings on a violin mm-hmm. because the violin strings are kind of in an arch well, you know you've got four of them but to like get them to get the bow to touch all of them no way could you pizzicato pluck them sure sure yeah makes sense and that's a big thing i would love to get my hands on that thing dude yeah dude they're cheap i think like i got i've, I've got like a fucking super thick book of orchestration that's beast but really we'll for really for the guy who's just kind of like going through it and like trying to make sure that everything's right the it's like a small book it's like seriously like the size of an index card and it's called Whoa. like the pocket guide to orchestration and it kind of has like all of the information at a glance dude i'm on it i'm slowly gonna get that and because what i found too is i started off like you know with guitar and, and piano and just sort of writing you know coming up with melodies and putting these together and as the process has gone on for me i found myself sort of getting rough ideas and either playing them or writing them out and then going back through and uh just tweaking the shit out of everything because you can do anything you want and realizing those parts where you'll be like oh this was sounding great here for a violin you know a violin quintet or whatever but now all of a sudden here it sounds weird and i can go into those specific places and go okay what's a little better of a choice and how is this going to sound more natural but it's all instinct and past of what i've heard so surely it's going to be imperfect but I, yeah i'll have to get, check that out man sure and then like another another good component i mean if you're if you're writing for like a a like a small chamber ensemble you know you've got like three violins or something and you're having them play a chord together mm-hmm. you know then choosing which one you want to give like a little more forte to their note you know, yeah. like if you're playing a minor chord, you want that third to stick out a little bit you right. know, because that's the one that kind of is the meat and potatoes of it. Everyone knows the perfect fifth. Yeah. That kind of just surrounds it. Mm-hmm. It's that third that kind of dictates whether it's a happy chord or a sad chord, yep. you know, the way that we interpret it. And that's that huge. Really Everything matters. I'm doing right now is minor because the sure. nature of the movie, most of it is anyway. The couple of things separated. Wow, man, that's super, super cool. So, is that something you like? You enjoy doing like the film? It sounds like audio editing, basically. Where you're, are you doing that too, or do you, on that film, on that short film, was there somebody separate that was sort of like the overall overarching audio guy that sort of put the score and the sound effects and the dialogue and the the dialogue came from the onset recordings right um, did you have a hand in the editing of any of that stuff or no really my only roles on that film were uh doing the background sound beautiful and then i worked as fully artist and doing the recording when we were taking mm-hmm. you know doing the fully stuff yeah um because essentially you're in a room and you've got the screen playing the video and like yeah. so th- this guy's got a gun and he's got a silencer when he screws his silencer on the gun that's me screwing the top on a mag light that i own you know, and you have to like sit there and watch it, like do the turns just right with the guy. <laughs> that sounds so fun, dude. Oh, dude, it's kind of the best. <laughs> it's, it's it's super it, fun because you're like the actor, but you don't have to do the acting. You just kind of follow the guy who's already done it. That's awesome. You know, it, you're, you're the coattails guy. 
Damn, that's pretty cool, though. And then you probably learn, I mean, you probably come up with all kinds of different ideas and sort of trial and experimentation. And you may have done some of that in school, too, where you're coming up with sound effects. Was it Travis we were talking about? He was talking about different things that they used where, like, for punches and for... That was Matt. Yeah. It was, it was Matt, Matt again, huh? Yeah. Giving a lot of credit to Travis in the audio department there, huh? <laughs> yeah, like most of our gun sounds that were used, like a clip going into a gun, the slide action coming back on a gun, uh, they were doorknobs and deadbolts. I thought you were going to say a stapler. Mm. A, a stapler well, a stapler would be, would be a good one, too. <laughs> um, but uh, historically, like doorknob components have been used for that. Because huh? you can get the good, you know, yep, from a yeah. deadbolt or whatever. Makes sense. So that was fun because we just like bring in a bag of deadbolts and like going into the sessions, you know what you're going to be recording because you've seen it and you track all the movements and you're like, we need these sounds for this stuff. So, so you, you go in like with a the spreadsheet okay, and then you know what items you're going to need and what you're going to use in there. And then you get to get in there and like try it. And then it's like, okay, yeah this isn't going to work. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't have a good enough click. It doesn't do this, you know, so you bring a whole bunch of stuff with you. Some stuff works, some stuff doesn't. I mean, like when we were doing the, just the student project with, for close encounters, there was a guy in a truck seat. And as he moved around in the truck seat, we needed to capture a truck seat sound. And we tried all kinds of stuff. And eventually we ended up using the insulation in my motorcycle helmet. Hmm. Just because of like getting the sound, getting the microphone inside it and like doing the proper squish just made a more convincing sound. Interesting, man. Plus the sound usually is like way over the top. It's way larger than life. It's things that you don't normally hear. Makes it sound cool though. It does make it sound cool, but it also makes you like kind of hate it when you go to the theater and you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> that's, that's bullshit right there. <laughs> it's pretty cool listening to the process. It's so parallel to scoring, man, because we go through and find the cues for the music and then right. it, it, in the same way, bring a bunch of tools, you know, what am I going to work with here and what, what are the moods we're trying to get? It's a little more ambiguous, I guess, because you know, you're like, I need a screw, I need this to sound like whatever, a hammer hitting a nail or whatever the thing Right, is. and we have to match the exact movements of the actors on the screen right i have a lot more freedom even though i do i mean i'll do it with frame changes and when certain things happen on the screen i'll try to time certain parts of the music but it does it's not necessary always to have it perfect well and what sucks for that at least like in the um in the hollywood environment is that those guys are getting daily cuts and daily edits and having to change their scores constantly you know so all of a sudden you're like oh crap there's like two seconds of this thing gone and you're like well but that's like a measure and a half of my music what am i going to do here oh, to like to- totally, fix this and like and, ma- and make it work how am i going to fit my oh, music to this because totally. like trying to mimic someone's footsteps is nowhere near as hard as like trying to change your motive and your musical idea to match what's happening. That is like, well, a son of a bitch, for lack of a better word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sent a, I sent a piece over to the director recently where it's like this sort of dream sequence where they're going back and forth between some point in history and then the actual telling of the story. And so I wrote this kind of overarching piece that sort of connected it all together. And then the director comes back and says, well, you know, it's really good. I love what you did here. The mood's perfect. But we want it to sound different when it's the flashback and then different when it's present moment and it's like like you said i mean that's like okay well i'm gonna write a new piece <laughs> well, uh, flashbacks is, but it's fun flashbacks always kind of use the may um whole tone scales 
like the of a flashback is almost always a whole tone scale, like either ascending or descending, hmm. which is like, I mean, any Looney Tunes cartoon, you know, or like usually anything when you see someone go into a flashback mode or a dream sequence. Uh, Wayne's they, remember. They're like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're like a whole tone scales, okay. which is why I like, I love the band, the Dillinger escape plan, but like it's whole, whole tone scales the whole time. And I'm like, dude, all your songs are dream sequences. I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're doing sounds and everything, um, you always using different sounds for like different pieces. Like you said, the doorknob for like a gun or something like that. What kind of sound do you use for typing on a keyboard? Type fine keyboard. keyboard. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 is this is this my like fancy razor keyboard with all the macro keys? Like <laughs> you know, or is it, it depends? Yeah. I, I really, really, you usually would bring enough stuff. Okay. So that you could try it a few times and see what's going to work the best and see what meshes in with everything else well. And, of course, the the guy with the money yeah. always has the say at the end of the day. Yeah, right, right. You know, if he's like, I want this computer to sound like Pez hitting a table, then, like, you got to go buy some fucking Pez. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was I was going to ask that. You were sort of along the same lines. Like, does it ever happen where you're like, hey, we need a sound of uh, this, so why don't we use that? Yeah. Like, does that ever happen where you actually literally use exactly what you're trying to get sound? Or is it usually better because you're trying to over the top it a little, like you were saying? You know, it depends on the project and what the director wants. You know, mm. it, that kind of the rough thing about doing a project and being involved with someone else's artistic vision is that you have to kind of do whatever they want. Yeah, that's true. And you get some say, you get to say things here and there, I'd like to do this, or maybe we should try this. But really, at the end of the day, the guy who writes the paycheck kind of makes the rules. Again, and I think that's something we talk about building community and stuff on here. And I think that's such a big thing when you're doing, especially when you're doing art, is to have people working together to just sort of enjoy creating art together. That's sort of the relationship I've got with the director I'm working with, where we do go back and forth a lot. And there's sometimes where he really wants something specific, but he's really open to ideas. And so, like, well, it's kind of a process we're exploring where we're like sort of creating it together, which isn't always the case, especially in movies. From what I can gather, this is a new territory for me, but it definitely seems like it is a lot of that. You know, there's the guy with the money and he's sort of deciding what's going to happen. And, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'm not not a guru of films. I worked on a short film, and I did some projects in school. Yeah. But um, that's kind of what I've just garnered from studio experience at mm -hmm. large. Um, the, the guy with the paycheck kind of is the guy who makes the rules, and that totally sucks if you've got the artist ego that I have, where I'm like, no, your vision is wrong. Yeah. That, but, you know. I understand the artist thing for sure, man. What about... Um, what do you think your most clever use of a an item for a sound was? Like you were just like, yeah, f f no one else would fucking think that was what it was, but that's what I used. You know, probably the motorcycle helmet for a truck seat. Okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> you know, and like really the only reason we had that is because I rode the motorcycle there. Oh. <laughs> How funny. You know, I mean, so... Uh, it's kind of like you would understand, like as a songwriter, sometimes the most magical bit of your song was a mistake. Totally, that, man. That, 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 that just kind of happened, and you're like, totally. You're like, oh, fuck it. That thing's brilliant. I could have never even written that. I'll just keep it. And by writ, I mean wrote, because, you know, it's not the 30s. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I've, yeah. I've actually totally made that same too. error before. Writs of habeas corpus. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, you, have to, you have to say that like the guy who, like, uh, Talks about the Hindenburg, like, in the day when I writ this. <laughs> like, 
Um, I want to change directions just a little bit because uh, I was looking in your bio and I'm going to read this because this was definitely a shocker when I saw it, just how it was phrased, but it's very interesting. Oh, shit. Did, uh, I, did I spell it wrong? Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Dean was killed uh, in a hit and run collision while riding a scooter on July 1st, 2014. The collision shattered his skull, broke his jaw, and tore his spinal cord in, t- in two places. After nine days in the surgical intensive care unit of Denver Health, his family was uh, was told that he would most likely be confined to a bed for three years or so. Despite this, he returned home and was back at school and work within two weeks of discharge. Neurologists have attributed the rapid rehabilitation to his obsessive Rubik's Cube habit, which they believe was paramount in rebuilding his uh, neural networks. And I noticed that you have a Rubik's Cube tattoo there on your arm as well, which is very cool. That's that's true. This um, this guy was me for a oh, while. Oh, look at that! That's so badass. For the listeners who can't see this on his on your forearm, you've got like it's like a full skeleton with a very cracked skull there at the top, obviously yep. cracked open, and he's putting together a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, um, damn cool. I got this in October. The we call it the Great Collision. Well, I call it that. (laughs) Because people are like, oh, in your accident. I'm like, no, listen, that guy was a hit and run. He took off. At that point, like, that's criminal negligence. That was not an accident. Fuck that guy. We'll call it the Great Collision. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, So after the Great Collision, from here forth, um, I got this tattoo because, like, I wanted the skeleton with, like, his little cracked head solving the cube. But he's also a child skeleton. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Um, and that's just because of the the rehabilitation process that came with kind of... We're having know, to probably relearn everything, man. Yeah, dude. It was uh, the best. Huh. So, okay, because I want to hear all about this. Like, But um, a lot of times you do hear people, and I told Mike I, I wanted to ask you this question, but a lot of times people talk about near-death experiences and that kind of thing. Did you have anything like that happen? Or were you just sort of gone for a while, like sleeping, and then you were back? I had an actual death experience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like they, they, they like had to use the paddles. And Did like, I say near death? Yeah. Well, My, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 and no. I consciously thought about how I didn't want to say that because it actually says you died in your body. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I didn't even know that until later. The neurologist said it, and I was like, <sighs> what, dude? He was like, oh, yeah, I was there when you died. And I was like, well, that's weird because I wasn't there. Um, yeah, I really don't remember a damn thing. Okay. Like, I don't even remember the day of the Great Collision. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on my neighbor's scooter and riding that and got hit and everything, you know, I know as much about that as you know about JFK's assassination. People tell me it was real, but I have no idea. I wasn't there for that. Yeah. Um, what a trip, man. The, the thing that I do remember from being in the hospital, apparently it was like towards the end and I was in the, like, I don't know, like the capture and release part of the hospital i'm not sure what they call that (laughs) you know i'm like purgatory yeah i'm like i'm like in this room with all these beds and there's a bunch of people in there who like i guess need to go home but probably shouldn't um and i remember hearing all of this yelling in spanish and i was like oh what the hell is happening and i look around and i see this dude and he's probably like in his 70s and he's got a big white beard and he's screaming in Spanish and he's turning around in a circle in the middle of the room on foot and he's wearing no clothing <laughs> and he's taking a piss while he turns. And I, I think, I, I can't really prove it, but that might have been the point where my brain was like, all right, you're just not going to remember any of this. 
So, and, wait, you know, so like, now, like, like that's kind of what I, that's the only thing that I remember from being in the hospital was like this guy screaming in Spanish and turning around in a circle and taking a piss on the floor. Did anybody ever co- like corroborate? Oh yeah, word? yeah, yeah. Okay. Co- corroborate that thing. Yeah. My parents were there. My so mom, that really and, happened. And my brothers were there and they were like, yeah, that guy's crazy. And I was like, yeah, no one needs to see Santa Claus's dick. Like I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am going to, Spanish class. <laughs> right, I'm going to erase this entire thing. Um, that's kind of the only memory that I have of being in the hospital and the the neurologist and some of the hospital people and my family and friends who kept being there all the time have repeatedly said, well, and the neurologist kind of put it best. He was like, you said some things (laughs) when you were with us. And I was like, I am sorry if I was uncouth, I kind of have a foul mouth. And he was like, no, obscenities we're used to we get those all the time especially people with a brain injury or kind of like a little you know well brain injured mm-hmm. um and they, they were he was like the things you said though made the doctors and nurses like their skin would crawl and they would step back and be like what and i was like yeah. what did you, did you ask him what did you say <laughs> i did and none of them will tell me a damn thing oh oh man it's so frustrating so i have to like kind of be like oh man what would I have said? I mean, because like I kind of have a quick tongue, and I'm good about saying the worst thing. Um, I'm just good at that. <laughs> we were talking about you, Dad. My dad was uh, had a liver transplant at one point, and we were recently talking about this. Oh. They had you on something. What's that? Medi- it's some kind of medication or something. But he was not himself. He doesn't remember it. But dude, oh, they just overdosed me with steroids. Um, Dude, he was cussing everybody up, trying to pull all this stuff uh, out. Yeah, I don't want him with water, and I was cussing everybody <laughs> out and trying to pull my needles out. No, I'm not talking about Tuesday, Dad. I was talking about when you were. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm from a funeral family. Uh, my parents were morticians. My mom was oh, a coroner. Trippy. You know, so like. I spent my youth like laying in a casket in a showroom watching horror movies and the TV in the corner of the showroom and being like, all right, I'm going to watch Phantasm. I'm nine. I'm in a casket. This will be great. Um, you know, so How many I, say like, that? Uh, yeah, the, um, I'm, I'm pretty good about making someone feel real uncomfortable. Um, and then no one will tell me the things that were said, but you know, that's okay. Huh? I bet you must be so curious. I am. Cause I'm like, I, I need those. Those are, bullets i could load in my clip <laughs> for later i, 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 I can those. use that stuff again yeah you know it's good I mean? material like, right good exactly material. like you you comics always want to hear the jokes that they succeeded at yeah yeah you right. know imagine you like killed it on stage but you don't remember any of it you're a comedian uh, right. oh yeah that'd be terrible somebody somebody recorded it no are you no, kidding me? Uh, um, the Rubik's Cube, man. How uh, That's crazy. I feel like I've seen that somewhere. Like I saw an article or on the news or somewhere where somebody was talking about that being a, a big part of brain rehabil- re- rehabilitation, like recovering from brain injury and stuff like that. How did, uh, have you just always been good at those or was that a new thing? Or? No, actually, like, I mean, the Great Collision happened on July 1st, 14. Right. On Christmas of 13, my friend had a cube at her place and we were like, having dinner and stuff and i was like oh let me see that thing and she was like can you do this and i was like no but i can read (laughs) and i will figure that thing out like i want to be able to solve those yeah so i'd been doing it and like kind of getting good at it and like learning the the way that it works and the finger tricks you have to use to manipulate one and that kind of thing and uh 
the algorithmic components because it's really a uh, procedure and there are like sets of algorithms that you use when the cube is in a certain state to get it to how you want it to be. So it's a lot of recognition kind of happening. Um, so I was like kind of involved in that at that time anyway. Um, before that, I was like super into yo-yos and I kind of like, I saw some videos actually. I watched, I think there was even one attached to the email you sent us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. Sweet, um, man. Like, so like I've done a lot of yo-yo tricks and I was, that's fun, but like, honestly, you, you can't yo-yo very much at a bar. You <laughs> know, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to sit at the bar and play with a cube. <laughs> My dad's a total yo-yo nerd too, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I collect them. Uh, really? I've, I've got about 30. Uh. Um, I'm back there. Nice. I have I have some cool ones, um, but most of them I use like for regular play. Um, but I was like kind of in this cube mode anyway. Um, I was like a little infatuated with it, and then getting out of the hospital, they gave me like this cocktail of drugs. You know, they're like, here's <laughs> sure, here's oxycotton sure. for all your broken parts, but then like, here's something to like keep you from shitting yourself, but then this one will keep you from being constipated, and like, here's all this like giant <laughs> dude, thing. You know, you know that all like, too well, right? Yeah, yeah it's dude, like terrible. Right so I got home and I took one pill, and I was standing there talking to my brother and my mom in my kitchen and totally crapped my pants. <sighs> and at that point, I was like, no, dude, I'm not taking the medicine anymore. So I stopped. I didn't take any medicine like for the shattered skull and everything like oh, the entire geez. time i was at home so from the time i left the hospital i took one and then i was like no dude i'm an adult i don't go around crapping my pants that's not gonna happen <laughs> um so what was cool about the cube is that it kind of took everything in my brain to solve it so when i was solving it and like working with it you didn't feel no pain no no pain in fact yeah. the entire world around me was gone because it wow. was taking everything i had to work on the cube um, and then like, I mean, it just became a thing. Like I was sitting there solving it a couple hundred times a day, you know, I just scramble it and then solve it and then scramble it and give it to someone else, make them scramble it and solve it some more. Um, Damn, that's and cool. I was like sitting, I was waiting for a neurology appointment. You know, you have to go in and they put the electrodes on your head and they look at your yeah. brain and yeah. see like, you know, they show you ink blots and they're like, well, is all of his brain lighting up and what colors, you know, they want you to be a right. lava lamp. Um, and I was sitting there waiting for the neurologist and he came out just as I solved the cube. And he was like, did you just solve that? And I was like, well, yeah. I was like, that's kind of all I do right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was like, that's amazing. He was like, can you do it again? And I was like, yeah, I do it constantly. And he was like, cool. So he goes and he gets the neuroscientist or the, sorry, the neurosurgeon. He gets the neurosurgeon and brings him out. And I'm like, here, you guys scramble it. And then I solve it. Um, my solution time at that point took a couple of hits. It was around a, a little over a minute, minute no, and a half. A minute? Yeah. It, I mean, it, it fell in time because I was around 40 seconds before that. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, like when I first started solving the cube, when I first got out, it was taking me like six or seven minutes, you know, and then I like worked it down and like gotcha. as it went on, it got faster and faster, of course. Um, and the, the neurosurgeon was like, you are a supra human. And I was like, Oh, supra good for you, dude. Medical doctor. <laughs> um, and I was sitting there and he was like, that's amazing. And I was like, no dude, this is ages eight and up. You are the supra human. You touch brains and spines for a living. I'm just playing with a goddamn puzzle. <laughs> um, and they were like pretty impressed by that and like that was that became part of the testing when they would like monitor my progress or whatever 
Um, and they were saying that because the cognitive component of the spatial recognition and the algorithmic components and stuff is kind of lodged in the front of the brain, which is where I sustained the most of the injury to my frontal mm-hmm. lobe. But then your motor skills are at the back, at the base of your brain. And they were saying that because I was constantly utilizing both of those things, that it was kind of firing electricity across the entire neural network. And that's what kind of rebuilt it. Jeez. Of course, wow. of course. I mean, like it can neither be proven nor disproven, but it's a fantastic theory. Yeah, I'm sure people yeah. will explore that more. Like we said, like even with the music stuff, I mean, that's all new too. But it's the same thing. They got the electro, you know, the electrodes plugged your into your brain up to the surface of your head, basically, and they're just monitoring like the different activity in there. So, I mean, that's just, we're learning a lot about that. Neuroscience is one of those things right now in 2016. It's just starting to get crazy, and it's going to get even crazier. So. I have a question. That one, uh, there's a video you posted a long time ago with the dude juggling. The three. Oh man, that kid! Have you done it? Have you done it yet? <laughs> no, my my one-handed <laughs> solution takes uh, 25 to 30 minutes. I'm not very quick at doing it one-handed. Okay, and I suck even worse at juggling. Oh. <laughs> I mean, so like this guy um, does three cubes in like three and a half minutes. Yeah, he's, dude. He's juggling and like with one hand he's, he's like doing. He's juggling and solving all three. Yes. Yeah, and he's you can you can watch his pattern. He's focusing on one cube, and when that one's in the air, that's the only one he's looking at. And when it lands, he's monitoring it in the air to see what where the, it lands. What the and- st- state of the cube is and then when it lands he fires off one algorithm with his hand and throws it back up into the air and that's how he solves all three uh, for me to do that i'd have to learn how to like juggle without dropping something for three hours and that's not achievable <laughs> you have to have a whole nother skill set <laughs> right no no like that, that, there's no way but like yeah that guy i'm like Dude, man it's ridiculous this video he was just like just going 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 he's like and like you look at it all of a sudden like the cubes are like one side is one color you're like wait a second He's solving that at the same fucking time. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it's pretty fantastic. He's he's great at that. So my, what's your fastest now? My fastest ever? Yeah. Um, my fastest timed solution is 17.246 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> um, right now, we can look. <laughs> um, right now, I believe my my times are, I'm kind of in the, the low 30s. Getting over that 30-second hump is, uh-huh. like, kind of a bitch, really. I've right. got a cube timer on the phone. It gives me an algorithm to uh, – not an algorithm, but a, uh, a scramble. Uh-huh. So it tells me how to scramble the cube, which is cool because then you don't become used to, like, scrambling it the same way every time. Oh, okay. Because that's cheaty. Yeah. Um, but then it tracks all of my scores. I mean, so right now, <laughs> um, my current average of five is 32.93 seconds. <laughs> My best average of five is 30.15 seconds. And this was this morning. I did 15 solves with coffee in the morning because I do that every day when I wake up. Damn. I'm like, I need, cool. I, need, I, need, I, need, I need coffee in a cube. And like, I've got three cubes in my bag. I carry them all around. Like, what well, a trip, man. That's cool. I've never heard anything like that before. Now, can you do it like yeah. blindfold it and stuff like that? And No, that requires like photographic memory and stuff. I'm oh, still, okay. I'm, I'm still trying to be a human, Mike. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm just getting back into this. <laughs> you know, my my fastest time uh, is uh, not yet reported. The uh, clock is still running. The clock is still running. <laughs> still, well, still like, running. Oh, uh, the, uh, well, the nerd aspect of the cube. Um, <laughs> on, a, on a cube, you can have over 42 quintillion possible scrambles that are solvable. There's that number, Mike. 
quintillion. quintillion. Yeah, so that's like a, a number with 18 zeros behind yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the, the, that number came about because it was the, uh, the March Madness when they have it. And they, uh, like three years ago, Quicken Loans offered a million dollars to um, the person who can make a perfect bracket. And it's 66 teams, essentially. Sure. And you have to make it the bracket perfect for all 66 teams. And they were saying that your chances of getting 66 perfect all the way through is one in a quantitillion. Oh, a quantitillion. Oh, quantitillion. quantitillion. Okay, yeah. it wasn't quintillion. Uh, no. how, many, how many zeros is in a that's quantitillion? All, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's even Three. more zeros. That's like It seems like it. A lot. Yeah, because it's yeah. a trillion. Then. There's a special number for the number of zeros yeah. that are... Then uh, it's quantitillion. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, um, there, there's a thing that I read that said, uh, being over 42 quintillion possible scrambles that are solvable on a cube... Uh-huh. If you were able to solve a cube in 20 seconds all the time, yeah, and you started when the Big Bang created the universe, <laughs> you still would have not solved every possible permutation. Up to date. Oh my gosh. Right, which I use all the time. because That's are a like, fun fact right there. Yeah, well, because like, people are like, hey, have you seen like the new 17 by 17 cube? And I'm like, no, dude, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have like 9 billion lifetimes to like try and learn how to this get all of the last ones thing. of this yeah. like, first one, the three by three. <laughs> I'm, I'm not ready for that. I don't yeah. want that. <laughs> Well, um, they make all those different ones too, like a star one, like the the cylinder one. No, too. they make a bunch of crazy yeah. ones, and I'm like, you know, I have not mastered this one. Once my consecutive solve time is like an average of 15 seconds or less, uh-huh. once I become a world class speed cuber, um, you know, then I'd like consider trying another cube. But I think <laughs> at this point, and with all the other hobbies. Yeah. I'll just stick with the three by three cube and that's fine. The people can like torture themselves with like the giant cube or the weird cube that's Star, like a triangle yeah, or like yeah. I mean I've got some weird cubes. Like I've got one that's like all gray colors, it's grayscale cube. Oh Jesus. Yeah, right? Like <laughs> like like, like, like a nightmare. It's terrible. Like because again, you can't solve that one in a bar. Yeah. <laughs> like like you, dark. You, you, yeah. you know, like I that, get some light over that here. must be solved in the direct sun at high noon <laughs> otherwise you stand no chance yeah god forbid if you, you have any problems with your eyes <laughs> well, they make they there. make braille cubes really they do make a braille cube i believe it i, I kind of want to get one just to try it but then it they would be so weird you're not to, using your eyes touch all your the hands, things yeah. and it, <laughs> then you're doing wow. a wow Damn, that's so cool! I've never heard uh, heard of that. I'm sure there are people that are super into this. Into you know what? I bet you. Are, well, I'm I'm good at being in a bunch of random ass subcultures. <laughs> yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently, man. Yo yo, cool, Rubik's cubes. Yeah, sound yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. No, that's super cool, man. Uh, I'd love to have you come back to talk about a couple other things, but because I want to kind of get into your company. What would you rather talk about, your company or your band? Because I know you you take take the Mickey or taking the Mickey. Uh, take the Mickey. Take the Mickey. Yeah, as your you got a band you playing as well. I do. I it, it's not a band so much as a couple dudes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a band once. Um, now it's essentially, I I do the majority of the writing and then the like all the computer stuff. Uh, essentially, me and a good friend Jake, uh, we write the songs and we've done some new stuff for this record. Um, we kind of wrote. It's like a semi-electronic band. Um, we wrote the songs like we were like let's make rock songs so we wrote the songs 
two fat middle-aged guys on a couch with acoustic guitars and we wrote these songs and kind of determined the way that they would go um and then i have gone back in and made them like electronic compositions and like they've it's gotten crazy yeah pretty sweet and you got your own stuff which is much more electronic it seems like yeah well my own stuff is more like the um I stay more in the like composition. I don't like write a lot of songs, but I kind of get more like ethereal and like kind of film scorey. And I try to work out a a scene in my head and just make the music for it, and not like words <laughs> cool. and like that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. The band is like I don't know a weird thing, and the writing process has changed dramatically for the band since the Great Collision. Yeah, for the band, um, because well, brain changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So like, yeah, trying, like learning everything again after that and like kind of developing as a human again. Like right now I'm kind of like a 16 or 17 year old. Well, it's a trip, man. The brain is so complicated and such a crazy thing. Like, you know, with Sam Kinison, the comedian yeah. guy, yep. that there's that he was uh, hit by a car or something, or in some kind of an accident. He had major brain trauma when he was a uh, like a young teenager. And everybody in his family said that after that, he changed completely. Because everybody knows Sam Kinison. I mean, yeah. he was a nut on stage. He was totally He's crazy. Loud and, yeah. Yeah, and they said he was nothing like that before that happened. And he just, it was like he was a totally different person for the rest of his yeah. life. So it's... That's me. Is that right? Did you change yeah, a lot? A lot of your people around you saw a lot of changes in your personality. And absolutely, wow. Um, like I've never been a talker. You know, I'm like the guy who sits back quietly and just like observes and like takes notes and makes a lot of judgments. Yeah, like this is why I hate you. I can tell you right now, I don't know you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but but like I was always that guy, and like then after that, um, but I just began like talking like crazy. I mean, wow. I've, I've become Rambler the Great. You can't fucking shut me up for anything. <laughs> we'll get along um, just fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was that. And like the, um, it was essentially kind of like, if you believed in reincarnation and you were killed and you were reincarnated, but you remembered everything from the previous life, like all the facts, all the dumb crap. <sighs> But had to go through all of the regular steps of like becoming a human. And that's like the best part of it. I mean, like I can't explain how great it was. Like I wouldn't say, hey, go out and like smash your head and like tear up your <laughs> spine and like see what you can do. Um, but the, as you grow up, you lose the wonder of childhood. The appreciation. And the amazement of like every time something's new, it being a brand new thing. To get a taste of that wonder and awe again, again yeah. has been like the best. I, I mean, imagine. like I, I still walk around and like I look at everything and I'm like, oh my god, I, I I look like a pet. You know, I walk around, I'm checking everything out. I'm like, you know, trying to see what's going on everywhere, and uh-huh. my head's twitchy and my eyes are moving all around. But that's because I'm like taking it all in. Still, kind of getting like as an adult, I remember vividly the first time I felt wind and it was kind of great because my next door neighbor um they had like a three or four month old at the time and like me and the daughter were like we're sitting out on the porch she's in like a I don't know one of those things you put a baby in I suck at words that's a great collision problem (laughs) um so she's like in a car seat I think okay or a bassinet or like some baby holding apparatus made of plastic. <laughs> 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 you can't remember that word, but he throws apparatus yeah. in there. Well, yeah, yeah, because, you know, 
Brains are weird. Yep. Um, but we were sitting there and like the wind blew. And I remember like both of us looked at each other, like she's four months old. I'm like to 30, 35. And like we look at each other and we were both like, <gasps> like eyes wide open, you know, like just freaked out, like, what is that? All the leaves are moving, you know, and in my brain I'm like, this is a wind coming across the western slope. It's coming down from Canada. It's blowing across this way. I know how the weather pattern works. That's fine. But like feeling the, experience the wind of and it. being like, oh my God, this is wind. This is crazy. was fantastic. What a so like, trip. like those kinds of things, like the, the first time I had to ride an escalator was at Park Meadows Mall. I was, you know, trying to recuperate and I was like, you know, I need something. I'm going to go buy an iPad or whatever. And I take the train to the mall and I walk in there and I get to the escalator and like I walked up to it and just froze. I was like, oh my God, how the hell does this thing work? What do oh, I, what geez. I, if I say, you know, like that, that hesitation of like the same thing do, my kids do. Do, do I, do I, do I first. walk, do I walk on this thing fast or do I like take yeah. it slow? Like what the hell happens here? I don't get it. Like I know that this is an escalator and I understand how it works and there's a gear on it. you're having that experience things, but yeah. it's like the, for the first time kind of. Yeah. So like all of that stuff was so great. I mean, like as an adult, you lose all of that. So having that again, mm-hmm. getting like the childhood wonder back, wonder and awe, so awesome. And a lot of Damn. the a lot of the music kind of has that in it. It's a little more aggressive than the last record was. Um, it it gets a little more manic, uh, because like I think emotionally, like right now, yeah, I'm like 16 or 17. I'm like in puberty, full swing. Um. So things are like kind of weird. It's like a lot more aggressive. It's weird. Um, it's not as fluid as before. You know, before like the last record kind of had classical music parts in it. We had like, we're like, oh, we'll hire a flautist and a violin player and I'll write all the things and they'll come in and record them. And, and now I'm like, I just want to scream at something. So that's so crazy. The, the, man. the record has changed a lot. I mean, it's kind of a, a complete turn from where we were before. But. While we're working on the music of it, we're actually also building this incredibly complex way of recording it, which is definitely not a result of the collision and just like nerd power. Because um, yeah. we're working very closely with uh, my friend Jamie Hillier, who owns Module Overload Studio. And we are going to make this electronic record very rock sounding. And we have a very really unorthodox way that we're Damn, recording cool. this. If people want to follow you, where what's the website they can go to for that? Or where's the best place to find the, your band's music? Um, Ew, the band music that exists out there is full of awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we've got a Reverb Nation page. Uh, I don't think it's been updated since like 2010. Yeah, that's all right, though. Got you got a presence on there. The social media a bit at this point. Um, I've built a Take the Mickey website. But we haven't published it yet. Okay. Um, we're so still waiting. Yeah, we're waiting on like some video content and like kind of all of the um, all of the content that you need to make it like successful to draw people in and kind of hold them yeah. there, you know, enough to like optimize your SEO search engine, <laughs> you know, stuff. Um, so like all of that kind of crap. But the um, yeah, it's it's a it's a whole new thing. Which is cool because we're we're doing a lot of it at my studio, um, but then we're working with this other engineer and we've built this crazy matrix of how we're going to work all this thing out. Sounds like it. Yeah, we'll have to come back too. 
after and yeah and we're gonna have a film crew come in and like tape the whole thing because beautiful we're doing some stuff that really hasn't been done before to my knowledge i've tried to research it as much as i can um you know we're like capitalizing on people's ideas of course because all good artists steal from the other ones um <laughs> but uh yeah we're building a a kind of really interesting way of doing it i probably tell you about that later yeah when, no when the microphones are off well i, I <laughs> want to talk to you a lot about all kinds of audio stuff and it sounds like we're sort of in the same realm to a large extent as far as being a musician and writing and recording and then also dabbling in film and, and stuff like that so definitely want to talk to you some more but uh what do you say mike but we're pretty deep definitely gonna have you back because i feel like we, were, I, we didn't get into your company too much it may come up later we get sidetracked sure. all the time well, i think we need to ask him the question. Oh, yeah. I always forget yeah. this. So every guest that comes on, we ask him one question. You're stuck on a deserted island. Tropical island. You have everything you need to live a long, happy life. Uh, you have a way of playing music, but you only have one album that you can bring with you to listen to for the rest of your life. What is that album? You know that 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 that's a super difficult question. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. So we, um, the, the the reason for that is because my taste in music changes like almost by the minute. Um, if, so if, what if, do you like right now? <laughs> I just messed well. With you. <laughs> You see, and then and that's stuff too, because uh, music is so engraved in my emotive state at the time. I would have to pick an album that has like happy songs, sad songs, party songs, like, you know, kind of a runs the gamut of stuff. Uh -huh. But also I have a feeling that if I'm able to make my own instruments and perform my own <laughs> stuff on this album or on this island, that's gonna album be. island, then really it doesn't matter. Just listen to your own you know, stuff. You know, so I mean, so then at that point, I would. Okay, I'll say this. I think that if I had to choose one album that I would hear for the rest of forever, I would probably find a great recording of Mozart's Jupiter Symphony. Hmm. Um, and the reason for that is because, like, I constantly hear things in that that inspire me. And if I was able to live on this island and make my own music, then the albums of others would be inconsequential because I could write whatever the hell I want yeah, to go. match the mood. And you got plenty of time to... Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, I would want something that was a masterwork, something that I was able to draw inspiration from and, like, kind of steal little bits. Um, the Kind of the classical musician in me, uh, there's a, a... The scherzo is a term that actually kind of means musical joke. Okay. Um, so I would probably entertain myself by writing dumbass songs about picking up Wilson the Coconut off my island. <laughs> because we have the same last name, of course. Yeah. Wilson! Wilson! <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, be able to, like, add, like, a few notes from a part of the Jupiter Symphony in there and just make it a musical joke just to amuse myself. Because if there's no one on this island and I have to like make do with myself, like I don't know, I'm pretty good at driving people crazy. I can probably drive, <laughs> drive myself crazy, crazy too. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna need a way to kind of 
yeah. work that out. All right. That's a yeah. pretty good answer. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Right now, you want to hit up the uh, fun facts. So, again, anybody that wants to be a part of the fun facts, uh, Tyson's not here, but he is on the fun facts now. After Two weeks his, in a row. Yeah, He's two probably weeks in a row. very happy. <laughs> but uh, if you want to do be part of the fun facts, you can hit us up at uh, Mike and Tony Show at WROMRadio.net. Uh, and again, the shit that I come up with, uh, find around the internet, um, 50 of the craziest things that I see. Yep, and just a reminder too, you can always check out our website at MikeAndTonyShow.com. All the episodes are there. I got pictures and all kinds of cool stuff. So you can follow us there. Obviously, we're on iTunes and just about anywhere else you can listen to a podcast, you can find us. Um, dude, I love this one. I love that there was a Pearl Jam one this time because I was a diehard Pearl Jam fan growing up. Uh, Pearl Jam, and I remember this, Pearl Jam canceled their 1994 summer tour after they found out the Ticketmaster was demanding a service charge for fans' tickets. This prompted the band to begin building their own stadiums in rural areas where they independently sold tickets to shows to keep prices low. I remember that. They were, like, constructing the whole thing, dude. I remember that back in the day. You remember that? Were you no. old enough to remember that? No. A little well, bit younger, huh? You were probably in middle school when yeah. that was happening. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I that. In, I remember the Ticketmaster War. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. It's uh, one of the many reasons I've always loved Pearl Jam, one of my favorite bands. And they've come up a few times on the podcast. Yeah, still have. out there kicking ass and taking names and yep. still alive and kicking. And <laughs> the last Pearl Jam record was pretty good. I was surprised that actually kind of like how youthful... Mm, okay. It came off. Huh. Yeah, I haven't listened in a while. To be totally honest, I I they lost me a number of years ago, and every once in a while I'll go back and listen. But some of the solo stuff Eddie Vedder's done's been really cool, and I've never heard anything that I was like, "Oh, that's terrible." I just my taste diverged a little. They changed and evolved as a band, which I I don't I don't uh, I don't uh, hate on them for that at all. I think that's a cool thing. But uh, props, Pearl Jam, man, they've been doing it solid for a lot of years now, and I'm glad to see that they're still successful. And, yeah. And uh, I don't think we ever talked about Scott Whalen on the show, did we? Yeah, we did. Oh, we did yeah, talk about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I was watching some videos on him, and a lot of those guys uh, go that that direction. So luckily, Pearl Jam didn't. Yeah, what you got, buddy? So here we go. This one makes. Uh, I bet this made Tony cringe. By peeing in the shower, you can save one thousand one hundred and fifty-six gallons of water a year. Yeah, that, no, that does wear me out. <laughs> I'm about saving water. <laughs> <laughs> Pee so, in the shower. Yeah, well, the toilet flushing thing is supposed to be like a, a major water sucker, right? Yeah. Like the whole thing. And we do it all the time. Just flush like crazy. We don't even think about it. Some places, they don't even have drinking water. We're just sending Flushed gallons and gallons down there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm okay with that. And then plus, urine is um, what we call sterile. Yeah. So. All right. They, so, I'm not... That's been at Tony's house or showering anytime at Tony's house. Yeah, well, I'm glad. You're in all I'd over pretty, the place. Well, I'd be weirded out if I found you in my shower, Mike. I'm not going to lie. No. <laughs> <laughs> it costs around $2 million to make each episode of Family Guy. What the hell? What's up with that? I don't know. What do you think the, the, the cost is? The animators? Well, they got to pay all the people. I mean, there's a lot of people yeah, involved. I'm sure, I'm sure like all the voice actors have a good amount of contracts and stuff like that, too. I mean, majority of it's all Seth. <laughs> Farlane, so <laughs> what about you, Dean? Did you see anything on there that popped to your head? Um I did. The uh the guy who dropped his iPhone. Or oh yeah. Like skydiving oh, yeah. guy. Skydiving like from way up in the air and then he all the way out of the plane and came down to find it only had like a crack and it still worked. 
Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, dude, remember that time? Mine fell like a <laughs> half a fucking foot. <laughs> done, <Shatter>. son. Done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, like the the phone jumps off your lap and like you know ends its life early. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> I've I've got a bad history with phones. I remember coming down some stairs one time, flinged one like way across. That. How about this one? Tampon is French word for plug. <laughs> that was a good one too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> boom. boom. <laughs> Makes sense, huh? <laughs> okay. Yeah, <I> guess so. <laughs> uh, this one, this is like a no-brainer, I guess. Men are biologically more attracted to women with big butts because this indicates fertility. It's the whole hip-to-waist ratio thing. Yeah, or, right? I guess so. It's not even the ratio, right? It's the wideness of the hips because yeah. being able to have a Dumps child. Dumps in the trunks. <laughs> well, if you're out looking at butts, why do you want fertility? Yeah. <laughs> right? You don't want them to be fertile. <laughs> <laughs> most most thinking of most things of quantity, not quality. Uh, right. <laughs> Dude, that made me think like Sir Mixalot wants all the kids. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Anybody have another one? Yeah. I was trying to find the one. I lost track of it. Uh that four leaf clovers are around ten thousand times harder to find than three leaf clovers. But that five leaf clovers are the rarest. Mm. Anybody, any of you guys ever found a five five leaf? No, I've never even found a four leaf clover. Did you guys do that when you were a kid? I spent a lot of time yeah. on the, in the grass trying to find those. I found a four leaf clover, but I think that it was just like a weird mutation of a three leaf clover. <laughs> like, like it was kind of a four leaf clover, but it. Yeah, there's some yeah, gray was, in there, huh? Yeah, it was a little weird. I still can't find it, Mike. Did you happen to see the one? Uh, I was, it's my son has it. There it is. Uh, Didascalinophobia is the fear of going to school. Yeah, that's your son has that. Jaden has that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if fear so much as hate. Maybe. <laughs> How about uh, this one? Dollar me and you. If you were six feet two inches oh, tall, yeah. then you were taller than ninety four percent of the world. Damn, we're yeah. giants. Dang. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, I was, you ever think about how much variation there is with humans? How crazy it is yeah. when you think see some of like the extremes, where you see like Shaq standing next to some super small person, and you realize, yeah. man, these are all the same species. That's you don't see it in yeah, many Shaq things. Shaq standing next right. to Kevin Hart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, even oh. that, I think I've seen the one where it's like Shaq, Jack. The Rock, and then Kevin Hart. Well, You're just uh, like, what the heck? It's like, that, that basketball player, Yao. Oh yeah, with Shaq oh, yeah. and Kevin Hart. Yeah, Kevin Hart looks. Yeah, big. <laughs> yeah, so much variety, dude. It's really crazy. I mean, the variety of humans, like dogs, too. Like the, Maybe those, it was like, Photoshopped like someone's arm. Maybe it's what? <laughs> Maybe it was Photoshopped like someone's arm. <laughs> what do you mean? His arm bigger bigger than his wife's head. Oh, <laughs> yeah, this guy right here. <laughs> uh, funny, funny, funny. What else? Anybody else got anything else? Uh, the, the tear shape one was pretty interesting. That the um, different uh, your tear shape is indicative of why it is you're crying. Yeah, or yeah, what makes you cry? Yeah, yeah, like snowflakes, right? They're all different. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then uh, one last one because I think it's kind of crazy. A single sperm has thirty-seven point five megabytes of DNA information in it. Which means that a normal ejaculation represents a data transfer of one th of one. Th wait, it's not even that. So it's like more than a terabyte. So it's like a petabyte right there. It's like a petabyte and a half of data. I, I'm not sure that I want to hear petabyte. I know peta, same, peta anything. In the it's same little, uh, context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a petabyte. It's it just got weird. I'm just. 
I did. Just reach out. Uh, man, we're flying along as usual, buddy. What do yeah. you say? You want to hit up uh, a, a little, little bit, bit of, of the news. Uh, news? So, I must. Where to start? Dude, is anybody here? I, I I know I showed you clips before, Mo. Do you, do you watch any political stuff? The, the debate? The Republican debate. Oh, oh. my goodness. You know, I actually like shut my Facebook down to get the get away from all the politics <laughs> stuff. Like, I can't. Yeah, it, it consumes me too much. I freak out. Yeah, that, that's why all the gray hair exists. Politics. <laughs> Dude, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. That was there's some craziness, man. Just more watching Donald Trump just be totally crazy and off the cuff and basically just insult that's, it's insult, that's it's what he's insult. good at. he's just saying what people want to hear and that's the thing why he's leading so much and the funny thing about it is like marco rubio in this last debate called him out on it he was like he says the same five things everybody he says we're gonna build a wall we're gonna make america great again the economy's gonna be great we're gonna win and I'm the best. He goes. He says the same five. Things. Does anybody not notice this? He's like, <laughs> it's like a bad movie. Does anybody not notice? And he then, says the and same thing. And then Donald he has Trump no plan. And then Trump just slams him, and the crowd goes crazy. Yeah, yeah. Donald Trump slams him, and he's like, "You're losing. You're not even close." <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Nobody likes you. Yeah. <laughs> I can't beat her. You're gonna get slammed. Yeah. What do you think, Dad? What do you? Uh, you're not a big political guy at all. I, um, what do you think the you think what do you think it'd be like if Donald Trump became our next president? I don't know, I'll be in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, my 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 favorite highlight of the political race thus far just in general were uh, newscasters saying how excited they were that Santorum was dropping out of the race just because that <laughs> that delivers for me a different mental image altogether <laughs> i'm like oh no santorum what a, what a what a terrible racetrack that must be <laughs> don't don't fall down there it's like landing in a pile of queen anne cherries oh <laughs> oh no oh man yeah no it's crazy man it's it's getting crazier man. I don't know. It's hard to believe that any of these guys could potentially be our president. They all seem to not have their shit together, to be honest. Um, but we'll see. I don't know if the Democrats, uh, Democrats, the Democrats are going to be any better. You know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens then. But it's it's interesting to think about like the possibility of a Donald Trump Clinton or something like that going head to head. And then the kind of stem off of that too. Then I got another thing about the news. I saw everybody's all fucking up in arms about Apple. What did yeah. Apple do this time? Well, they're not releasing the information that was on the phone for the San Bernardino, whatever, yeah, that mass, shooting. mass shootings in the college. Apparently, it's the, the phone is for one of the terrorists, and Apple's not. They don't want to create a back door for it. Yeah, they don't want to create well, Explain, I don't know anything about this. Because if they do, then they can do that to any iPhone owner. Yeah. No, what's the deal? What's they want on? to get the information out of the iPhone. It's in the iPhone. But they can't get but into they can't the get password. It because the kid's password blocked and everything like that. Hmm. And so they were saying that they wanted to be able to create, like Mo just said, a back door. But Apple doesn't want to do that because they don't want to put the fear into everybody that now we can just get into your shit. But we already know they Because they can they hack all the computer hackers out that can get that back door. Yeah. Then everybody's phone's in trouble. Yeah. Don't you think they already track all that stuff? I mean, they totally could. If well, they all the to. money they spent on privacy, why would they go and build a back door somebody can get a hold of real quick? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm with Apple. I wouldn't do it. Because I own an iPhone. I don't know enough about it. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I have anything of importance, but you know, I don't want nobody getting in my shit. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Well, regardless well of that's what the thing. Is. Like, it's like Rubio and like and Cruz are all pissed off because they're like, like, no, you're you're threatening national security. You know, and it's like, no, that that already happened. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it already happened. Already a breach. Yeah. yeah, I think they just want to figure out if they mess something up and they want to cover it. Yeah, yeah right. Maybe they missed something. There's an app for that. That's yeah. not a that's not a commercial that's ever happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I was uh, I stumbled on this. I don't know how much it's news news, but uh, I was telling you about how I watched that uh, like the first of five documentary on. Kendrick Lamar, like Vice did it. What is it called? Vice City or they have some new thing that they're doing, but yeah. it was it was Snoop Dogg in the beginning talking about it and he was basically saying that, you know, where rap is really happening now is in he said in Bompton, which is in Compton where the bloods are. So it's Bompton. And it was interesting hearing it come from Snoop because historically he was always a crip, right? It was yeah. the the blue or whatever. Um but it was I saw I fell in love with this guy because I don't know Kendrick Lamar's music. I saw his performance on the Grammys and you know, I don't know much beyond that. Um but I enjoyed how unique it was, but he's a really cool dude. Like he's super humble. He's like the only guy in his crew that never was involved in, in gangs. So like he goes back to visit and it's like all these, you know, dudes just walking around, just all, you know, thugged out and red and just living this crazy lifestyle. People dying around him all the time. Meanwhile, he's got this totally different perspective. Like literally visually, he was the only guy not wearing red and uh, was sitting there sort of talking in this interview. But I recommend people check it out. If you don't know anything about Kendrick Lamar, check him out because he seems like a really cool dude, very conscientious and very... Uh, it was it was interesting because we've talked about Kanye West. And I remember when I saw the performance on the Grammys, I was kind of like, man, this guy seems like the new Kanye. He's just really ballsy and out yeah. there and doing something really unique and different. Um, but I've always complained about how Kanye's early stuff was like that. But it's really just... He's so self-obsessed and it's just so about everything. Whereas talking to Kendrick Lamar, not talking but listening to the video you kind of see his perspective as this bigger community thing and he's sort of a humble more humble person and his music's definitely about something deeper and bigger than just check me out i'm awesome and look how much money i have bitches everywhere yeah i don't know con con kanye west he's been backing up he's been talking all nice and being concerned for other people now and he's in yeah and he's 54 million dollars that's in why debt. and the front page had what a thousand dollars in it the gold fund kanye yeah <laughs> he got a thousand bucks in it so far that's a little late to rebuild that reputation <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah, interesting. I like Kanye's early music. I don't like his new stuff. And as a person, he seems crazy out there. I don't I'm like him as a person, but RoboCop's a good song. That's a damn good song. Yeah, he's got a lot of good songs, actually. I know one time when I was in the hospital and they had me all doped up when I was <laughs> pancreatitis, and I was listening. I didn't know what it was. I had Tony's little... Like music iPod thing or something back then yeah it was that little square one and kanye oh, was singing ronald cop robocop and i called up tony it was like 11 o'clock and i dude I, this dude sounds just like you and he, <laughs> kanye West. Doing this. i never had ever got I that i couldn't comparison. believe that i was it had to be all the morphine i was on i remember trying to guess too and i was like oh no man yeah, it, the was, room it was kanye, like, yeah. Oh, the jack jack johnson <laughs> jack johnson <laughs> <no>. <laughs> No, it's Kanye West, Tony. I didn't, I didn't, even, I didn't know. dosage, Pops. I was out of it. It was like 11 o'clock at night. So. Yeah, no, that's cool. No, I could see it actually on that song in particular, too. It's kind of the way you sang it. That was funny, though. Do you have anything else in the news, buddy? No, no, I mean, what about just the, or, well, I mean, it all stems onto the, the whole debate in the, the Republican thing, the Politics. Mexican president. 
cussed out <laughs> right. Donald Trump. Exactly. So we're not we're not we're not going to pay to build that yeah, wall. Yeah, we're yeah. not going to pay to build that fucking oh, wall. It's ten feet taller now. Yeah. He said. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was Trump's response. Just Trump's response. It just got ten feet. They higher. are. They are going to pay it. <laughs> and now it's ten feet taller. Good, good. Well, maybe the Mexican guys will like round up a van and like take it to the Home Depot and pick up a bunch of American dudes to build that wall. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Yeah, right. Well, that's the thing. There's so many here in the United States. There's so many jobs. I mean, it would, they don't understand just from a cultural perspective, just looking at how many are here. Like, if you just really kicked everybody out and started building a wall and all this crazy stuff, it's kind of weird what would happen. Would I mean, sh- it would shut down a lot of shit. There'd be a lot of, yeah, maybe. <laughs> of I mean, I guess would, so. Yeah. Well, it was like, correct me if what is it, the comedian, uh, um, I think Chris Rock. Was it Chris Rock was talking about? illegal aliens everything like that he's like everyone's all in arms down in texas about illegal aliens you know taking all of our jobs and messing up our economy and he's like they're not taking away our dream jobs he goes there's not a legal alien brain surgeons he's like there's not a legal alien multi-billionaires he's like you know there's not a legal aliens this he goes no he's like they're doing the shit that we don't want to do he goes you know they're doing janitor work they're doing field work they're doing stuff like that the shit that we don't want to do <laughs> losing fingernails in bacon processing plants. Or running, you got to be bilingual to go to McDonald's nowadays. <laughs> you do. Just to order. What about you, Tony? you have anything else that you... Uh, well, you know? you know, the UFC 196 is coming up, buddy. We do talk a little MMA on here. Yeah. Uh, do you follow fighting at all? Do you follow MMA or boxing or anything like that? You know, I kind of suck at following things in general. Um, like I am an audio Except music Rubik's. guy. Yeah, music and <laughs> well, Rubik's and cubes. The, well, I'm, uh, I, I could tell you wh- which yo-yo tricks are the hottest right now. And, you know, <laughs> that, that kind of thing. But um, Ben Marie said he is a, he was weird followings. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. weird trends. No, that's cool, man. You're in, you're in good company here. Um, no, but the, we we do follow it, and and UFC 196 is coming up. It's a big one. Conor McGregor is going to be fighting Nate Diaz, uh, Andros Dos Anjos or whatever. Backed uh, out. Backed out. Yep. He had a like a bruised foot or something like yes. that. Something bruised foot. Yeah, dude. Connor looks giant. Yeah. Well, he, he looks he, like he, he went up in weight to do it. That's but he look. That's the funny thing though is like he looks like he gained nothing but shoulders and bicep, dude. Yeah. Like that dude look. He looks enormous. And then uh, home defending her oh, yeah, national title. Uh, Misha Tate. Tate. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's gonna be some real good fights. James having some people over. I don't know if you want to go. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but uh, it should be interesting. You think Conor McGregor's just gonna plow through this guy? Probably. Through Diaz. Diaz is a scrapper, man. Yeah. He's a tough guy, but it's hard to imagine anybody is gonna. It was interesting because Nate Diaz seems like he, he, he like Conor's not getting in his head as much as some of his last opponents. Diaz seems to just sort of stand his ground because Conor McGregor played. I don't know if you follow. He's like the. Yeah, I know who they are. Yeah, yeah. And Conor McGregor, he just plays those mental games, man. He gets people just completely <laughs> riled out of up. Their, yeah, riled up and pissed off, and they just kind of uh, gets them emotionally. And then they get in there, and then they just kind of mess up, and he just sort of. But Nate Diaz did not seem like he was phased in the slightest bit. He, all his answers were super short. It made it awkward because his microphone kept going out in the middle of the conference. So that would have made Trump pissed off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that'd be the greatest Conor McGregor versus Donald Trump. Just the the, the sound bites on those. <laughs> and the oh funny thing gosh. is, it wouldn't matter if it was actual fighting or word fighting. I think that uh, Conor both, McGregor yeah. would slam. <laughs> I feel like Go be back sh- and forth. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh! So I'm looking forward to that. Um, 
That's cool. And did you see this hockey player that got, I can't remember where it was at. It was like at one of the minor league hockey teams. He got like, because, you know, they, they fight and they allow it a lot. For, but this guy went crazy and started boxing with the ref. Yeah, I seen him scrapping. What? Though. Yeah, and the ref yeah. took him down and like held him in place. And then they actually had him arrested. Like police Wait, came so out the on ref the ice. One still? That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the dude was taking major swings. I don't think it didn't look like he landed a clean punch on the ref. Nah. He tried to, but the ref was agile. I know, and then <laughs> tomorrow the Red Wings are coming to stomp the avalanche at Coors Field. <laughs> this is the Colorado hater in the studio yeah. today, just so you know. Hater in general. Yeah. The, the hater, Raider slash hater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if Mo was really into politics, I even bet Mo would be like a Trump fan too. Uh, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I don't know. He talks good enough shit, so. <laughs> he talks good enough shit. Yeah, no. I'm that one vote that's going to save him from not being the president. Something you, like that. You yeah. On a side note, Creed's on DVD next Tuesday. Oh, yeah, that's right. I want to see that. Uh, that Blu-ray. That's that boxing movie, right? With yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, was it's the guy who I always mix up with, uh, Wildin' Out, dude. Nick like, Cannon. Yeah, he looks like he Nick, thinks Michael looks, B. Jordan and Nick Cannon he, are the same person. He looks like a rip Nick Cannon to me. Like from the first time I saw him, I was like, oh, he looked like a younger Denzel. I think. Okay, now we're just starting to sound racist. We're just naming black guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he looks like Michael Jordan a little bit. <laughs> well, he, uh, he could look that. like what's that guy's name from the the Clippers? That he got me. He, didn't he marry uh, Kim Kardashian? What's his name? Oh. Uh, no, Chris Humphreys? He, Humphreys yeah. for them. But he's with, with That's what he looks like. Brooklyn. That's, yeah. That's <laughs> right, right, right. That's what he looks like. Oh, man. No, we were talking about that actually here at work, uh, how Cisna was talking about the differentiating people. Like when they're on the corner of the street, you know, it's like, hey, uh, you see that guy over there? Whereas like a lot of people are like, hey, see that black guy over there? And you're like, that's that's the only guy over there. Do you mean just the guy? You don't have to say the black guy. <laughs> just the guy over there. People make it super. Why you got to be black? Well, yeah. well, he looks a little dark, so he's black. Right, and then there's the opposite too, where it's like they're just avoiding saying it at all costs. Yeah. Like, no, the, the, uh, that guy's standing right there uh, with the sweatshirt. It's yeah. like there's three guys over there with a sweatshirt on. It's like, ah, oh, the gentleman, he's about uh, six foot. Yeah, it's like three or four of them, about six foot. What are you? The black which, guy. The black guy. <laughs> the man of color. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it has been a great time, man. We'll have to have you come back. Sorry, we just took cool. over the show here for the last little bit. but No, uh, that's all right. I mean, if I had something decent enough to stay i could have spoken out but. uh where can people go to find your music or find uh, what you do what's the best websites check your stuff out um reverbnation.com slash take the mickey has some old songs beautiful um other than that uh probably my twitter feed might be the best place probably just google i think me. i googled you too it was pretty successful i found a lot of yeah. stuff so um at Solomon Tomer on Twitter is where you can find me usually. Yeah. Beautiful. Mike and show Mike and Tony show.com, TonyDollarMusic.com. That's all for this week. Yeah, fellas. And right there, that's a wrap. Cheers. 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 Cheers.